The four most important events in human history are these. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first three have already happened. And God has guaranteed that the fourth shall happen. Today on Resurrection Sunday we will concentrate on those middle two. The inseparable death and resurrection of Jesus. You cannot separate them any more than separating his death from his birth. The death and resurrection of Jesus is a beautiful diamond. And when you turn it in the sunshine of God's glory, you see many beautiful facets. Toward us, it displays the love of God. Toward the Father, the death of Jesus satisfied his wrath for us. And we can be forgiven all of our sins because of that. Today, we're going to look at another facet. As we turn the diamond and see that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, he not only showed love to us and satisfied the Father, but he defeated the devil, as well as defeated sin and death. In our verse-by-verse study of the book of Colossians, we've come to a verse that is very appropriate for Resurrection Sunday. So open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Paul has already been talking about the centrality, the supremacy, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says that we have been forgiven our sins because he took our sins to the cross and nailed them there. You could say he also left them in the grave. Today we concentrate on Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers... He made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This verse falls down to three great truths that we're going to look at as we look at the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over the devil and the demons. The first, it says here, having disarmed principalities and powers... Paul has used that phrase earlier in chapter 1 and several other letters. Those are talking about the demons, the fallen angels that once were good angels, but they fell with the devil, and they're evil. They'll never be redeemed. We don't pray for them. They are on their way to hell. And these are different ranks, like in the military. There's generals, colonels, majors, and so forth. There are ranks within the demonic realm and they're called principalities and powers and dominions and other such things they hate God with an implacable animosity they would kill God if they could and when the God man appeared that's exactly what they did they stirred up the crowds to kill Jesus you see they recognized Jesus on one occasion Jesus came across a man that was filled with many, many demons, and they said, we know who you are, Jesus. How? 
They were once good angels, and as good angels, they worshipped this Jesus. But when they fell, they were thrown out of heaven, they hate him, and they do not want to love him or submit to him. So on Good Friday, they stirred up the crowds to say, crucify him, crucify him. Now all those that crucified Jesus, directly or indirectly, were guilty the Jewish mob, the Jewish leaders, the Roman soldiers, but behind that, the demons and the devil himself, they were the ones most guilty of the murder of the Son of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, I bet they celebrated. They probably said, we got him, we won. They didn't realize the secret. They lost. And when he rose, I'm sure a groan went up from hell. Oh no, we couldn't keep him dead. And they knew that their doom was sealed. Now the question arises, if they knew who Jesus was, and they knew from the prophets that the death of Jesus would seal their doom, why then did they arrange for him to die? You'd think that they would not want him to die. You see the the problem. The answer is simple. They hated him so much, they were obsessed with killing him, even if it meant their doom. It's like a man today that is so filled with rage, he'll kill someone even knowing that that will seal his doom and sign his death warrant. So they went after Jesus, they arranged his murder, but they couldn't stop his resurrection. Now, as a result, look at the verse. He disarmed them. He took away their weapons. Some translations have this. He spoiled them. It's like they took something away. He took something away from them. What? He took away from them that which they had taken from mankind in the Garden of Eden. They had taken away peace. Jesus came to give us peace again. They took away love and life. Jesus came to restore that. It says he disarmed them. And that's what victors do to the people that they defeat. They disarm them. That's what happened at the end of World War II. My dad used to tell the story when he was a lieutenant in the army. And when the Nazi empire came crumbling down, one of his duties was to stand beside a certain road in France and see the retreating German troops being disarmed. And they'd have to throw their rifles and grenades and helmets and everything in a huge stack and then they would go not marching but shuffling down the dirty road and dad would have to look at them and make sure they didn't have any hidden weapons and occasionally he'd say hands up, up, like this they were defeated and disarmed dad says they were no longer triumphantly goose-stepping they know they had been beaten and ground into the dirt Their emperor, Hitler, had committed suicide. And they were defeated. They were disarmed. That's what Jesus did. He disarmed the devil and brought about their ultimate defeat. He took away their weapons. Dismantled. Just like the Allies dismantled the Third Reich. There is no more Gestapo SS. The Wehrmacht army was totally abolished. The... The Kriegsmarine Navy was disarmed and there was no more. 
Goering's Luftwaffe did not fly in the skies anymore. It was the downfall of the Third Reich. And over here in America, they was dancing in the streets. We won. They lost. It's over. And with the fall of the Third Reich, all those that were in prisons and the concentration camps were liberated. They were free. Now, that's just a small picture of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. He defeated Satan's empire, guaranteed their downfall, and began to disarm them. John 12, 31, Jesus said, Now the ruler of this world will be cast down. They're defeated. But you say, preacher, but they're still very active. Yes, they are. But their final doom has been sealed, and they know it. They know they're going to hell. They want to drag people to hell with them, but they know their doom is is sure, as we sing in one of the songs. They know it. And they've even lost some of their power. Yes, they still lie, they tempt, they accuse. But they have no more power over the Christian. Fellow believer, if you've been saved, you are no longer in the evil empire of the devil. Oh, he laughs at you, he lies to you, he tempts you, he accuses you, and a thousand other evil things. But he can't have you anymore. Jesus loves you and says, he's mine, you can't have him. Jesus will never lose a single one of his children to the devil. And the devil knows that. He has no more power over us. When we die, he can't keep us in the grave any more than he could keep Jesus in the grave. Jesus defeated death. 1 Corinthians 15 ends with this resounding, almost mockery, where it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, Satan, where is your victory? He's lost. Isaiah 53 predicts the death of Jesus, and toward the end of the chapter it says this, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. It says he despoiled his enemies. He took away something from them to give it to us. As I said, the devil took away certain things from mankind in the Garden of Eden. Jesus came to restore paradise. And the parallel passage in Ephesians 4 says, When he ascended on high like a conquering general, he gave gifts to men. We're going to look at that in just a few minutes. Jesus retook from Satan what Satan had taken from mankind, and he gives it to his people. Having disarmed principalities, and powers. Look at the next phrase. He made a public spectacle of them. Now when the Colossians read this, they would see the analogy with a custom in the Roman Empire. Now at that time, the Roman Empire was the biggest empire the world had ever known. All over the Mediterranean world and into the east, all the way up to Great Britain. And so when a Conquering general was returning from battle. He had conquered, let's say, the Parthians or someone like that. They threw a parade for him, a victory parade. And he'd come marching into Rome in a certain chariot, followed by his troops, and then followed by the defeated enemy's leaders. A king, for example, now in chains. Or some of the generals 
crawling on their hands like an animal. And the crowds would be yelling at them and cursing them and spitting on them and jeering them. The conquering general returns and he would have a bag of coins and he'd throw it to the crowd and they'd cheer. They'd say, throw me one. By the way, that's the source of the tradition at Mardi Gras floats. I grew up there and we would always say, throw me something, mister. And they'd throw these little doubloons and beads. It goes back to the Roman custom. And so these enemy forces were dragged before the Romans in defeat, in chains. One custom we see in the Old Testament was sometimes they'd take the leaders and they'd cut their thumbs and big toes off. Without thumbs, they couldn't hold a sword. and Without big toes, they couldn't run. They were shamed. Some of them, as it says in the Old Testament, the kings were now, had to grovel on the ground under the king's table to eat the crumbs thrown to him. Sometimes those leaders from the enemies would have their eyes gouged out. That's what they did to Samson. The crowds would jeer and celebrate. But they particularly celebrate the victorious general that would be riding in a chariot. Now that's the picture that Paul uses here. Jesus is the victorious general. And he's dragging behind him his enemies. And we as Christians can say all praise to Jesus. He has defeated the devil and the demons. John Calvin said the cross was a splendid chariot in which Jesus got the victory over the devil. He's right. Now let me show you the parallel over in Ephesians. So turn back just a few pages. You do know that Ephesians and Colossians overlap a lot and they shed their light on each other. There's a verse or two in Ephesians that is often misunderstood. Ephesians 4 Verse 8, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Well, that's the verse in Colossians saying the same thing. So the misunderstanding runs along several lines. One of them is the Roman Catholic idea that uh, there are four destinies after you die. Of course, there's heaven, there's hell. Catholic Church says there's also limbus and phantom. That's the limbo for the infants that die before they could be baptized. That's a fourth place. But they say there's another place, the, the limbo of the fathers. What's that? They say, well, Abraham and David and Solomon, Old Testament believers, they couldn't go to heaven uh, before Jesus died, so they're kept in this fourth place temporarily. And then after Jesus died, he went down there and he had the authority to release them. And then when Jesus ascended to heaven, he took Abraham and David and these others with him up to heaven. And actually a number of Protestants have believed something similar to that. But that's not what this verse is teaching. There's also another very, very bad view that says when Jesus died, he went down to Hades and actually suffered the flames of hell. And that's where he suffered and made the atonement. And then he was born again when he came up from the grave. That is not what the Bible teaches. What this is teaching is what Colossians is teaching. It's comparable to 1 Peter 3, where it says that after Jesus died, he went and preached to the spirits in prison. He did not preach the gospel. That's a different word. He's not preaching good news. 
Where was Jesus on what's called Holy Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday? He went down to make a proclamation to the fallen spirits and the lost sinners, your doom is sealed. I have died and I'm about to rise. He also went to comfort the saints that were in heaven. You remember, said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he rose. So go back to Colossians. What Ephesians says is when he arose and then went back up to heaven, he led captivity captive. Not leading people out of hell that were believers. He led them as captive, defeated enemies in this celebration parade where he was celebrated and their doom is mourned. So there is heaven and hell, but there is no limbo for infants and there is no limbo for Old Testament believers. Look at the third phrase. And this is one we're going to concentrate on. Triumphing over them in it. The it refers to the cross of the previous verse. Jesus triumphed over the devil and all the demons. One man against all of those. We don't know how many demons there are. There may be as many demons as there are human beings. One man against them. No match. They're no match for Jesus. He defeated all of them single-handedly. Now, turn to the book of Hebrews. That sheds light on this as well. Hebrews chapter 2. This is one of the reasons Jesus came to the earth and became a man. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Again, shedding light on the work of Jesus. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime Subject to bondage. The devil had been given a certain liberty of death. Remember Jesus said he is a murderer from the beginning. He is the instigator of all sin. Sin leads to death. The devil is the greatest mass murderer in history. And so Jesus came to overthrow his empire and take away that power of death. And that's what he did when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. God just doesn't forgive people by simply saying, well, I forgive you. No, as we saw last week, Jesus had to die to defeat death and to defeat the devil who had the power of death. So how did he do it? He came on a, on a mission. He was man on a mission. And he allowed Satan to stir up the crowds to have him killed. Remember, Jesus once said, no man takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. The devil could never have killed Jesus, let alone the Jews or the Romans could never have even laid a hand on him unless Jesus allowed it to happen. And on Good Friday, he did allow them to do that. He allowed them to condemn him, though he was innocent. He allowed them to make fun of him as he carried the cross. Wonder of wonders, he even allowed the Romans to nail spikes in his hands and his feet. He could have simply snapped his finger and they all would have been punished. But he didn't. He allowed them to do this for a purpose. In order 
to fulfill the purpose for which he came to earth, to die. And he allowed them to murder him. And that was all part of the plan. The demons thought that's it. But Jesus knew that by dying and rising, he would have a new authority and take away power from the devil. I thought of this the first time I saw that movie many years ago. You ever see the first of the Star Wars movie? I bet everybody here has. You remember when Obi-Wan Kenobi meets Darth Vader and they pull out the lightsabers and Darth Vader says, this is now your time to die. You will see who's boss. And Obi-Wan Kenobi says, if you kill me, I will come back with greater power than you can even imagine. And he put his lightsaber down and Darth Vader cut him down and he falls. But then he comes back greater than ever. First time I saw that, I said, that's a picture of Jesus and the devil. Jesus, as it were, says, do your worst. And he died. But when he rose, he came back with greater authority and power that the devil could never have even imagined. He took away certain things from the devil, including the power of death. Years ago, I was at a large Christian conference. And between the music and the preachers, they had a little group come out and put on a drama. Now, I don't believe in that in a local church, but at the conference I sat there and said, well, what are they going to do? Two men walked out on the stage, one dressed completely in white, one completely in black. This was supposed to symbolize Jesus versus the devil. And so first, the devil, the man in black, is on the stage alone, and he's kind of whistling, he's, he's kind of real cool, I'm in charge of everything, and he's twirling a set of keys on a, on a red string like this. And then the man in white walks out. And he says, I need those keys. He says, you can't have them. They're mine. Well, what are the keys? He says, these are the keys with which I keep my slaves locked up in the dungeon. They are mine and you can't have the keys. Man White says, I'm going to take those keys from you. He says, you're going to try to take them. So they take to fighting. I don't know if you've ever seen a barroom brawl. Men start fighting. They fall on the ground very quickly and they're fighting. And so in the stage, these two men are fighting like that and you can hear this sort of back and forth. And then... The man in black stands up and the man in white is on the ground dead. And he begins to boast. He thought he could beat me. I won. I'm alive. I, I beat the man in white. Puts his hands in his pockets. Where are my keys? The man in white stands up. Says, you looking for these? <laughs> he had taken away the keys of life and death from the devil when he rose from the dead and the man black says, oh no, it's over, I'm doomed. The man white says, I'm going to go and release those prisoners. That's a good, good point. It took the death of the Son of God to take away the keys. Listen to what it says. Jesus himself said, Revelation 1, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Theologians call this the Christus Victor scheme, the motif. It's also called the drama of redemption. And this was sometimes practiced in the Middle East in, in warfare. You remember the story of when the Jews were up against the Philistines and they were going back and forth and finally the, the, the most... Powerful of all the Philistines, Goliath comes out and issues a challenge. 
Send out your champion and why should everybody else have to fight? Send them out here and there'll be just the two of us. Fight it out. And last man standing wins and then his people have to become our slaves. But of course, if you defeat us, I will die and we'll be your slaves. And so who comes out there but little David with just a slingshot in the name of the Lord and he defeats the Philistine defeats Goliath, and then all the Philistines run like scared jackrabbits because this was the drama that brought about their defeat. Now, it's kind of like that when Jesus came. It was Jesus and the devil. The king of kings are up against the king of the demons. But Satan was not an equal opposite of the devil. He is a created being. He is finite. Jesus is infinite. But the devil in his pride thought he could take on Jesus. What if Satan had won? You've heard sermons. What if Jesus did not rise? 1 Corinthians 15 says, well then, we won't rise. We have nothing to preach about. We have no hope. It'd be a nightmare if Satan won and Jesus stayed dead. But Jesus won and Satan lost. And so everything that belongs in the devil's kingdom now belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is defeated their king. All mankind is under Jesus Christ by virtue of his death and resurrection. Listen to the word of God. Romans 14, 9. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus is Lord over his people. We know that. We willingly bow before him and submit to him and love him and worship him. But even those that die lost are still under the dominion of Jesus Christ. They will have to submit to him at the last judgment, bow the knee, confess he is Lord, not to their salvation, but to their damnation. But Jesus is Lord over everybody. And that includes the fallen demons. He is over them. He has all authority. As we read earlier in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Triumph over them in his death. This fulfills the very first promise of the Messiah, Genesis 3.15. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, God says, I'm going to send a Savior. He will be born of the woman. We know that's the virgin birth. He will defeat the devil who is portrayed as a serpent. That's a snake. It says that Jesus will crush the devil's head, but the devil will, will as it were, bruise the Messiah's feet, we see that that's fulfilled when Jesus died. The nails, as it were, were Satan's fangs into the feet of Jesus. Satan is like a serpent, and if you know anything about snakes, you have to kill them in the head. You can't just simply cut the last few inches off of the feet. It might grow back. You have to kill it in the head. And I killed quite a few snakes when I lived in Texas. Rattlesnakes, water moccasins. You have to do it on the head. That's what Jesus did at the cross. At the cross, he crushed the head of the great serpent. He's defeated him once and for all. Satan knows his doom is sure. The Bible also speaks about this using an unusual word for the devil, Leviathan. Psalm 74, 14, you broke the head of, of Leviathan in pieces. Isaiah 27, in that day the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, 
and he shall slay the reptile in the sea. Job 41 says nobody can capture Leviathan with a hook except God. You see, the devil is greater and stronger and smarter than we are. None of us could catch him or defeat him. Only God could, and that's what Jesus did. Some of the early Christians after the time in the New Testament picked up on this theme in an interesting way. They said, Leviathan, the devil is like a sea serpent, and only God can catch it. And like a great fisherman, God used a hook called the cross. And Jesus was the bait on the cross, and and Satan couldn't resist it, but in killing Jesus, he was hooked and brought about his downfall, and Jesus rose from the dead. The great theologian Ambrose, that was the teacher of Augustine's, used a similar picture. He said, the cross was God's sword with which he pierced the head of the serpent into the ground. I like that. He brought about the defeat of the devil. He triumphed over the devil in this. And one day Jesus will return and finish the job. Revelation 20 says at the second coming, he will throw Satan and the demons into eternal hellfire and lock the prison so that they will never be escaped. Now, in the intervening time between when Jesus first came and the second time, Satan is still active, but he knows his doom is sure. In fact, during the course of history, Jesus rides in the chariot of victory across the world Have you realized what's happened in 2,000 years? Before Jesus came, there were very, very few true believers anywhere in the world. They were confined to Israel for the the first 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. Only a few people, the pagans, were just out there worshiping idols. But when Jesus rose, he sent his apostles into the world. And so for 2,000 years, Jesus has ridden in the chariot through missionaries, through evangelists, through everyday Christians sharing the gospel And every time a soul is saved, that's one more taken away from the devil. And so Christ's kingdom is rolling on and on. And Satan is helpless to stop it. And there's more to come. Satan's doom is sure. And he knows it. It's his worst nightmare. He doesn't want the second coming to happen. Because when that happens, the Bible says... Satan will be thrown into hellfire forever and ever and ever. Revelation 20, and he shall be tormented forever and ever and ever. He doesn't want that. But there's one great event that will happen at that judgment day. Judgment day isn't just for humans whereby believers are brought into heaven and unbelievers are consigned to hell. Even the demons will be there. The Bible says in Philippians 2, every knee will bow before Jesus. Every tongue will confess whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth. That's the kingdom of the devil. The demons, though now defeated, they will be dragged before this king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will be made to bow before him. Their worst enemy, but they will have to bow before him and say, yes, Jesus is Lord. We give up. He has defeated us. They will have to cringe in fear. And then Jesus says, now that my victory has shown universally, off to hell you go. And so the devil will lead his demons and lost sinners into eternal hell. And the saints in heaven will rejoice. Jesus is Lord and Lord of lords.
if you are not yet a true believer in Jesus Christ, you are still in the devil's kingdom. You were still his slave. Oh, he throws your crumbs and funny things, though, that you feel this is cool, but your day is, your doom is sure, just like Satan's. Your only hope is to become a traitor to the devil, defect from him and say, I don't want that. I want to turn from him. That's repentance. I turn from the devil and everything evil. I turn from that. I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and I submit to him. I believe in him. That's the wisest thing. You see, if you know you cannot win on this side, the wisest thing is to switch sides to the side where you cannot lose. Come and believe in Jesus. Join his kingdom and in his victory parade. Fellow believers, we can rejoice. We're on the winning side. We cannot lose. Jesus is risen. Our king is alive. He is victorious. We can celebrate. We can worship. We can take encouragement in the worst of times because we know Jesus will be with us through the valleys as well as on the mountain. And one day he will come back to earth and we will be with him and reign not only for a thousand years in a kingdom of God on earth, but for a million, billion, trillion years of infinity and eternity forever and ever. What does this verse tell us? Jesus won, and Satan lost. Do I hear an amen, brothers and sisters? Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, Jesus won. He never fought a battle that he did not win. And the devil lost. Thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you that the devil is crushed into the soil, and Jesus is on the throne. And we will see him one day as he returns. And we will reign with him in love and in glory and in honor forever and ever. All because he died and he rose. Hallelujah. What a Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.